the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a Wednesday, hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday, and that's a good thing. I'll be out tomorrow and Friday, have a medical procedure, a test that they're going to be doing. Alan Kerr will be sitting in for me tomorrow. Uh, He'll be uh, bringing a guest in in the first hour, and he'll be talking to uh, some different people during the show, but uh, he'll have... Uh, Senator uh, Rapert on in the first uh, hour of the show and then Joe and Duck will be on in the second hour and then Robert Steinbach and and Chris uh, Corbett will fill in for me on Friday and they will do what they always do and that is look at all the issues that are out there uh, from a legal standpoint one being what's going up in northwest uh, Arkansas uh, with an FOI uh, situation where the schools up in that area are not offering the information about uh, critical race theory uh, that they've been asked about, and they're breaking the law. So they'll be talking about that tomorrow. I think that uh, Robert's going to have Joey McCutcheon on uh, dealing with that, and I know that Robert is involved in the legal aspects of that. In fact, I believe that he's heading up that case. So you'll be uh, listening to that tomorrow. Uh, here on the Dave uh, on the Dave Ellswick show and Friday on the Dave Ellswick show. I'll be back on on Monday. I promise. I'll be I'll be back at least as far as I know. This is like a, one of those tests that no big deal. They tell me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. All right, Kevin Keel going to be with us. He's the dean of the Honors College and University College over at Harding University. Kevin, how are you? Good morning. Hey, I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me, Dave. No problem. Glad that you uh, got up this morning early. Is this a typical time of rising, or are you getting out of bed a lot earlier than you normally it's, do? Uh, you know, you're you're reinforcing a practice that I've always wanted to have in my life, so thank you. <laughs> All right. Early to bed and early to rise, right? A little... Yeah little uh, benjamin franklin for us this morning right all right well let's let's just start off by you telling us about what honors colleges and programs uh, are exactly i mean they're they're usually a part of uh, what is offered to students who attend the university so what's the purpose and significance of the honors college at harding university yeah thank you yeah great question and uh, of course, we're always wanting to port, uh, point people to the to the, the website, and uh, you know, want to be as inclusive as I can here. 
but harding.edu slash honors will get everybody the details that they're looking for more information. But uh, great question about, you know, what's really included in an honors college. Yeah. The, um, you know, Harding offers a variety of programs. Our intention is that they're all Christ-centered. They're all kinds of majors. You know, we're upwards towards 100. And, uh, but, and we're trying to offer something for, for uh, everybody. And so the Honors College is really designed to offer courses and experiences, programming that really uh, connect with highly motivated and high-achieving students. You know, um, we get students that have been excelling in high school, and uh, we, wanna, uh, we want to just keep raising the bar for them and we want to help prepare them for their, their next transition to the world of work or to graduate school. And so we've got courses and programming that uh, really help us to get to that point for them. Okay, so basically we're looking at the classes like they have in high school that are honors classes. So you can get college credit for them and then you go on to college and now you got honors classes there that really prepare yeah. you for the work uh, field that you're going into. Right. You know, we get the question a lot uh, from students and, and parents, you know, that say, you know, wow, we've been really uh, pushing it here in high school, and I don't know if I want to continue that. It's, <laughs> this is just more of the same. And really, it's a great question uh, because college is a, is, a, is a very different place in high school, yep. no matter what, how a student's prepared. So we try to break it down a little bit into some, some things that we think people that are really value-added, uh, not just this sort of, okay, let's see if I can just carry a heavier load. You know, I'm looking for something even more to do. Mm-hmm. But, but rather, these small discussion-based classes, um, we've got a great space to call home. We have a house that's got uh, a full kitchen. Uh, we've got things for people to really build kind of community around with people with like interests, kayaks to check out, tents, bikes. And that's just kind of a symbol of a place to belong. Um, students can really kind of craft a curriculum in some ways, take the classes they would in a major. And by the way, a student who participates in the Honors College can be a part of any major. This is for all students. Um, uh, regardless of their trajectory. And, and so we're going to give them a really smaller class size, which is going to even uh, reinforce the, the possibility of them having close mentoring relationships with faculty and uh, to try to connect with them in their particular interests, especially academic interests that um, they might be drawn to. And so, for instance, you might have a faculty member uh, who's doing some uh, research in biology or chemistry or business, and uh, the student may come and say, you know, I'm really interested in that. I'd like to do a special project uh, in this course that will help me dig a little deeper. Hmm. And uh, then the, the, the faculty member would help facilitate that digger deep um, into that area. So then we think that really differentiates students who are looking for the next thing uh, beyond Harding, whether it's a leadership position uh, in, for employment or whether it's getting them ready for graduate school or law school or medical school or the next professional program, that this uh, sets them apart and, and, and it, it provides them with some experience 
um, in presenting their uh, papers before peers and beyond. We help them travel if uh, uh, to uh, to conferences if uh, if that's something that they're looking for to build their resume. We uh, help facilitate that. All right. So Kevin is the dean of Honors College and University College uh, up in Searcy at Harding University, and, and we're talking about what is this whole Honors College thing. It sounds like to me. For folks uh, that are really trying to grab a hold of this, is that in high school when you take honors classes, it's still based on a syllabus. They still have it set up. Here's what you're going to do: this, 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 this. What you're telling me here, the student has a lot more to say in what he's, what they're going to do, and what they're, what they're after. That that is that is correct. And uh, we want to we want to work with students, and we know that uh, they've been working with their parents very closely. They've had some. Uh, special experiences coming into Harding and the Honors College, and we want to we hear it is, what their, their dreams and focus uh, might be, and then we want to help them craft uh, a curriculum, whether it's a particular course or set of courses, to set them up for uh, success beyond Harding. All right, so what are some of the uh, examples of the support and enhancement that Harding's uh, Honor College offers to the students who choose to participate? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things I think that's outstanding are the faculty. Um, I think um, that it'd be helpful to know that we have uh, faculty that are involved in research who have uh, been quite successful in their academic pursuits, in their pursuits in industry, business, uh, and in their professional fields, and then they come here to teach, and they have both this academic and practical information to share, and they want to do it in a, in a, in a not only a classroom setting, but in a, a mentoring type situation. Um, and so that in itself is a kind of baseline for what we have to offer. Uh, then these opportunities uh, that I mentioned earlier to uh, present research that they might be involved in while right. they're undergraduates here. Um, we have got service projects uh, that are done through the honors cause because we're we're wanting to, to build the expectation look you're going to share give serve the community in which you find yourself so we're going to make that a part of what you do in the honors college yes it's about academic excellence we stress that but it's about service and it's about leadership we're going to encourage students to uh, take on leadership roles in uh, professional organizations that are here on campus and in the community. And so we're going to be here saying we provide this for you. We're going to connect you with alumni. I think this is a really important feature of the Honors College. Those who've been a a part of Harding, the Honors College itself, who've been where the students are and connecting them for purposes of internship, mentoring, and employment. Uh, another, I think, a big a benefit of being a part of the Honors College. Uh, and again, these other, uh, you know, special things that we, we offer. They come by the Honors House. Uh, they want to come in and have cook a meal with their friends, uh, hang out. We've got a we've got a grand piano in the in the, our living room. This is a great space. And so, hey, come on in and and, and play it soon with friends and uh, have a place to belong. And then later, you know, you want to go to the weekend to be with these people, the cohort of students that you have these things in common with, and take it out to the Little Red and uh, go out to Heber Springs with this group and, and explore Arkansas. We want that also to be 
a part of the Honors College experience. Very cool. I like the whole idea of this. Getting these uh, special – these are special kids. I want to be honest with everybody. These are kids that are really, really you know, pushing themselves forward. And so you get that whole iron sharpening iron where you get the best right. sharpening the best. That's that's important. Hey, Kevin, yeah. uh, hang on. i got to get a break in. Then we'll come back talk some more. He's the dean of the Honors College and University College. And when we come back, we want to talk about a specific grant uh, that was presented and how it's going to help the Honors College there at uh, Harding University. So stay with me. Got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick. And maybe you have a student that will fit in uh, to this Honors College and University College as well. Don't forget about Dustin Turner. Uh, the uh, housing market for selling your house is hot right now. Just so, My neighbor just put a for sale sign in their yard uh, day before yesterday. They're trying to sell their house. I'm going to try to sell mine starting in just about October. And when I put my sign out, it's going to be more important than their sign. i got to tell you why. It's going to be Dustin Turner is going to be handling this. This is a guy that has a marketing plan that gets uh, your house in front of a bunch of people's eyes so that uh, they see it and can come up. and come across it on the internet because that's where people are seeing houses now. It's not like it used to be. You know, when people used to on a on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon, uh, they drive around and they go see all the open houses. Uh, that's kind of passe now. Uh, now it's all done by the internet and and, and on different uh, internet sites. And uh, of course, Dustin Turner knows those sites. He uh, presents your house in the best possible light. Uh, he has a professional photographer come out. He sits with you and stages your house that he knows is is going to be beneficial to selling your home. So Dustin Turner's the way to go. It's like I told you, uh, this is a guy that I would call if I needed to sell my home. Well, I've decided to sell my home, and I called Dustin Turner. His phone number, same number I use, 501 952 2969 501-952-2969. You can Google Dustin Turner, the home team, or just go online to hometeamsoldit.com. That's Dustin Turner. I got about eight minutes left with uh, Kevin Keel here for the dean of the Honors College, University College at uh, Harding University. And Kevin, uh, Dr. James Huff, Honors College faculty fellow, recently awarded a prestigious grant from the National Science Foundation. How is that having an effect on the Honors College and uh, the University College? Perfect. Thanks for that, Dave. It's good to be with you this morning. I, um, You know, this is an exciting grant because of not only the amount, of course, it's from the National Science Foundation, and uh, Dr. Huff is a part of the Honors College. So okay. there is an immediate effect. He is we he teaches in the he's a part of the engineering faculty in the engineering department, and he's a faculty fellow in the honors college. And what that translates into is that he takes this research right, and he includes students. This uh, grant this, that he received, the career grant uh, that uh, looks at academic cultures and specifically those professional experiences of engineering faculty, and he brings students into that uh, academic pursuit and his research so that they get to taste a little bit of what it's like to conduct this kind of research, 
give them experience as they prepare for their uh, next spot after Harding, their uh, graduate degrees, their uh, places in employment where uh, they're working in a professional environment. And so, you know, this is really one example uh, of what's done across campus uh, where uh, faculty include students. Even uh, that inclusion is built into the, into the, into the grant. Uh, and uh, the National Science Foundation is the kind of thing they want to do. They're, they want to encourage that. And so uh, we're just really excited that our faculty are successful in, in getting this kind of a grant. Uh, and and you, you've probably heard, maybe you've heard a little bit about it, but this is the, the most prestigious award that an individual a faculty member at Harding has ever received. And I think the only um, time, other than I think it's the University of Arkansas, there's 59 of these that have been granted and only the sixth at an institution other than the University of Arkansas. So wow. we're excited about that. We think really the bottom line is it benefits our students. And uh, we think that's really one example of what's happening across campus to, to include students in the work that uh, our faculty are a part of. Well, it seems like it's just another indication of the hard work that Harding's been doing. I mean, we've been talking with uh, all kinds of individuals from Harding for a couple of years now, and mm-hmm. you all have been working very, very hard uh, for uh, you know the graduate students and and uh, what they're doing for business graduate students and things of that nature. It's not the East Coast you got to go to anymore. You can go right here in Arkansas. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, we want to get the word out, and we appreciate that. And want to remind everybody to check us out at, at harding.edu uh, slash honors. And I think uh, you'll be able to get some additional information uh, if you're interested. All right. So we've got about four minutes left. We've talked yeah. about honors college but I've been mentioning University College, so yeah. you're you're really involved with that. And what's going on in that area? Yeah, well, kind of redundant, right? University College, what's that all about? Um, and I think really the the best way to sum it up is that the college, the services, the academic programs are for everybody. Not unlike the Honors College, it it's not discipline specific. It is for everybody, and so it includes what's traditionally thought of as support services uh, for students. So uh, we do offer academic coaching and tutoring. Uh, You know, there are students all over the uh, place. Some uh, are well-prepared. You might say over-prepared. We have over-prepared students. We've got under-prepared students. We want to top them off. And so we offer this academic coaching and tutoring. Uh, We're going to help this transition, so we've got orientation programs for first-year students. We have students that are, uh, you know, they're they're the first uh, people in their families that um, are attending college, and they have some unique challenges. So we want to assist those students. We refer to those as first-generation students. Um, And uh, career services, so... Um, these are things that uh, really we offer to all students. There are some academic programs. You know, uh, not everybody knows exactly what they want to do when they come to university. And so we want to help walk beside students as they explore their own interests and their own uh, values, their aptitudes, and then what Harding offers uh, and try to match up those things and then look at, you know, okay, what are, what's the promise for employment in a particular area? So mm-hmm. you, you can make a good decision. Uh, and then we have 
a couple, an, an academic program that um, really goes well with honors and interdisciplinary studies, which is the one that really uh, helps students craft the degree they want. So they might combine two or three areas that, that may not be traditionally thought of going together, but uh, really work well. You have physicians that one, one day uh, they want to go into to private practice. Well, they need to know a little something about business. And so uh, this interdisciplinary degree can really uh, be crafted to help uh, really any kind of career trajectory. Sounds great. You guys are really doing a lot of great work at, at Harding University. We're out of time uh, to talk. There was one other area I wanted to get to, but we won't have time to do that. But uh, for people who want more information, uh, where do they go again? And, uh, you know, how soon do they need to contact you about all of this? Yeah, well, the sooner the better. You know, we have we have people that are uh, contacting us when their students are you know, uh, thinking about where they're going to go. Maybe it's in ninth or 10th grade. Uh, it's often start the, the, the uh, admissions process about the 10th grade, getting collecting information. They can all go to uh, harding.edu slash honors for the honors program information, and then the university college at harding.edu slash university dash college. All right. We Kevin, I got to move on. We're coming up against the news. I will uh, talk to you again in the future, I promise. That's uh, Kevin uh, Keel from the Dean of Honors College and University College. Don't forget about what Pat Davis is offering to you right now. I've told you all the great things Pat Davis can do about getting you a health care plan at a reasonable price, saving you 30 to 50 percent making sure you don't have co-pays, making sure that they are a quality health care plan and that it's not a share plan. All those share plans have their place. You know, what he wants you to do is give him a call and talk to him about this. And right now he's offering a $25 gift card to the first 100 people uh, in the rest of the month of July that request a free, no obligation health insurance quote. Let him sit and talk to you about your health insurance and make sure that the health insurance you're getting is a quality health insurance and is not overcharging you. All you have to do is text him your first and your last name and then the number 25 to 501-605-6935. That's your first and last name and the number 25 to 501-605-6935 and learn a lot of important things that you need to learn. Now, there is a caveat here. There is a minor restriction, and that is you can't be Medicare or Medicaid eligible age 21 to 64. Get your quote and a gift card by sending your first and your last name and the number 25 to 501 605-6935. Justin Turner has arrived now, I believe. Is he here now? Is he coming? He's not coming yet? He's on his way up the elevator. All right. As soon as he gets here, we're going to bring him in. I want you to meet this guy on the radio and on Facebook this morning. Uh, I've been talking about him for months. You know, there's more to selling a home than uh, just putting a for sale sign up in front of your house. There's more that has to be done. You've got to be sure that your your house is being seen by
by people who are interested in buying your house. I mean, you can have a for sale sign in front of your house and the guy next to you, I'm going to tell you right now, can have a for sale sign, but his realtor is Justin Turner. And I believe that that person is going to get a, a lot uh, a lot more, uh, you know, questions about your house than the person next to you because he has a marketing plan and you need a marketing plan uh, to get your house in front of people so that they uh, will want to see it and perhaps buy it. Says that that's simple. And I had him out to my home a couple of weeks ago and we talked about all of this and I was really impressed with what, uh, what he's doing. And so uh, I, I've asked him to come into the studio and, and talk to us today. Here he comes right now. If you're watching on Facebook, that uh, that person that you see creeping in here is not a creeper. That that's that's Dustin Turner. He's he's here now. Dustin, how you doing, brother? You doing good today? I'm doing great. You found it? Have a seat. You know, I've been telling people my next door neighbor just put up a for sale sign in front of his house. That house that's right next to me, it's got the pillars. You know what you know what they're asking for? No, tell me. Take a guess. Two hundred plus? Uh how about three hundred plus? Wow. Three hundred and eight thousand dollars is what they're asking. So move that mic up a little bit and pull it towards you. There you go. I'm gonna be over here. Now you're gonna have real good presence on the microphone. I've been telling people that since I've met you, I've been talking about you for months, and I've been telling everybody what you do, but then I had you to my house because I'm thinking about selling my house. In fact, I am going to sell my house. We're going to put it on the market uh, in October when we come back from vacation. Uh, my my uh, son-in-laws are coming in, and they're going to make all the changes that you suggested, and we'll be ready to go here in October. Okay. Cool. I'm looking forward to helping. Yeah, I'm looking forward to helping, too. I, I just said... Putting up a for sale sign in front of your house is not enough anymore. People don't drive around neighborhoods looking for signs in front of people's houses. It, it's not the same as it used to be. Yeah, real estate has changed dramatically over the last few years. And it now you can still sell your home on your own. I'll be honest about that. Yeah. In this environment, you're going to have a shot. But you're going to leave a lot of money on the table if you don't have professional representation that are accustomed to working specifically with sellers in this demanding market. Yeah. I, well, I talked about your marketing plan. I told you when we talked, I was impressed with that, what you do. You get my house on the internet in front of as many eyes as you possibly can. That includes other sellers that are out there. Yeah. And other, and I, I'm going to get your house in front of buyers working with other agents as well. Yes. I want to make sure Anybody who's potentially looking for a home is going to see your home. Well, that's the way you got to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and the internet, it's a way to go. We were talking a little bit about open houses. I'm not a big fan of open houses. I don't bake cookies really well. So, you know, having people walk through my house uh, on a Saturday and Sunday typically uh, is not my cup of tea. And you said that, I think you said that it's like, like 7% of sales now. Yeah. You know, back in the day, Dave... This is how the, the market has changed, right? Uh, back in the pre-internet days, the dark days, right? <laughs> <laughs> As I say to my friends that are millennials, BY, before you. Yeah, exactly. Before, <laughs> before we were all glued to our phones and right. our laptops and everything. Uh, if you wanted to buy a house, 
what did you do? You would drive down the road and you'd find a real estate office and there would be an agent on duty mm-hmm. just sitting there hoping somebody would walk in the door, right? And you'd walk, you'd come into that office and you'd sit down with the real estate agent and he or she would open up a big book and flip through the pages, right? And hopefully that agent liked you and liked your house or they may not show it to the potential buyer. And then buyers back in the, the dark days, right? Homes would sit on the market for months. Yeah. In some cases, years. And so they would just have open, they would have real estate signs in the yard. Hope, hopefully people would drive by and see them. They had open houses and then they would just leave their house wide open to anybody who just wandered through on a Sunday afternoon. And so the nosy neighbors would come over, you yeah. know, <laughs> and uh, hopefully people who weren't casing your house to steal or to rob it. Right. Right. You know, right. Who knows? Just people would wander in and out of your house, you know, and uh, uh, and then we would put advertising in the newspaper. Remember those days you get that. That uh, big old stack of Sunday papers. Real estate. Yeah, and there would be all these listings of homes. I'll tell you what, now, Dave, uh, things have changed so much with the Internet and with the way we're able to target buyers and get your home in front of, in front of the right audience as quickly as possible that I can, sometimes I'm getting showings on my listings before I even have time to fully set up all the back-end processes to even notify the, the seller of a, of a coming showing. Mm-hmm. Things are happening so rapidly. This week, I put a home on the market in Chenal Valley, $470,000. We had a $485,000 offer on it in two hours. Wow. Wow. Yeah. With, I mean, we didn't even have time to blink, and the home was our, the offers were already rolling in. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, the housing market is nuclear right now. I mean, it's not just hot. It's glowing like a, in a Godzilla movie. You know what I'm saying? When yeah. he's ready to blow up, that's that's the way the housing market has been. And it's been faster uh, a few months ago, but it's still really, really fast right now. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time. It's uh, it's the the real estate market is on steroids, <laughs> and uh, but you know there's signs that's starting to slow down but i'll just describe to you the last year the last 12 months or so in central arkansas it's been low inventory uh soaring prices and frustrated buyers so you know the inventory is incredibly low that's part of what's pushing the- that's why i want to get my house into it that's right <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's the exact reason i'm doing it we are our inventory is nationwide is 43% lower 43% fewer homes available for sale in June of 21 as there was in uh June of 2020 okay so what what happens to prices when you have high demand and low inventory well, we've had this discussion on this show because i'm i'm all about economics 101 this yeah. is a this is a no brainer if you have less of something that's for sale uh-huh. and you have a lot of people who want to buy it, prices go up. Exactly. Supply and demand, baby. That's exactly what it is. And so our pricing has – that's what's happened in our market. Um, na- uh, nationwide, prices have gone up 15% in the last 12 months. <laughs> Think about this. A home that you could have bought last summer for 200000 is worth 230000 this year. Wow. I'll give you a couple of anecdotes. 
um, I've got this great young couple. I've been trying to help them find a home in Sherwood, right? Last fall, it's about the time that we started to really feel this new reality in the mm-hmm. market. They knew that there weren't a lot of homes available for sale. And so one hit the market they were interested in. We went right away over to see it. We walk around the home. We go out on the back porch to discuss an offer. As we're standing in their home discussing an offer on that home, we get an alert on our phones that the seller of that home had just raised the price of his home $5,000 while we're standing in his home. Because the amount of offers that he's starting to see. Because of the interest in the home. I'm looking around thinking, are we on camera? Is this guy listening to us? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got you. Suddenly, what would have been a very competitive offer 30 seconds before was now not even a full price offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, another another seller that I just worked with, um, he had bought this home, beautiful home in Valonia uh, a couple years ago and had um, been thinking someday, someday out there in the future, I want to sell this home and I want to, I want to walk away with a hundred thousand dollars. Right. That was his stated purpose in buying this home was to see it appreciate and then he was referred to me, and I came over and met with him, and he said, Dustin, I will sell this home today if you think you can get me $100,000 in my pocket after all expenses. Um, and he didn't think it was possible. We sat down. We, we did the numbers. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, let's give it a try. Eleven days later, I brought him an offer that was over $100,000 in equity. Incredible. Well, I'll be honest. Look, I'm I'm on Zillow, people who know anything about the Internet and about homes zillow is the the name now that's out there and when i started getting hits about my house and how much it was worth uh the reason that i bought my home was a simple one when i got ready to retire i wanted to it was one of the pegs of my three-legged pegged uh, chair that i'm going to sit on when i retire and uh, i wanted to get as much as i could get out i was going to sell next year and I looked at Linda, my wife, and I said, looks like we're going to have to move this up. Now's the time to sell. Dave, it's absolutely the time to sell. And I'll tell you that, you know, we're seeing a couple of things in the market that tell us, one, it's a fantastic time to be a seller, but we may be at the peak of that. Well, I want to I want to be at the peak. I don't want to be on the downhill side of it. You don't want to wait until that's correct. Until the until the show is over. That's right. And that that I was lucky enough that I bought my home when rates were a little higher, but I was able to get in a little lower because I got a VA loan. Yep. And uh, then I refinanced, and I did a few things to the house that made it a little bit better than the house that I had bought. And uh, it's in a great neighborhood, yeah. and uh, it's right in, for kids, you know, people that got kids that are going to go to grade school. I got a grade school that's within a quarter mile of me. So I'm just telling you, I, I think that I'm ready uh, to do all of this. And we'll be talking a bit about my situation personally here in the very near future. We're going to take a break. But Dustin Turner's here. Now, you getting the, getting the feeling now of what I've been telling you? If you got a question, 8230965. Eight two three zero nine six five. I mean, what's the most important thing to do to your house to get it ready for sales? He'll tell you. He can talk to you about it right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, if you got questions about filing for your Social Security, 
when you apply for your social security has a lot to do with how much money you're going to get from your social security you take it at 62 you're going to get a lot less than you do if you get it at 66 and a half years old like i did and uh, if you if you uh, wait until you're 70 you'll get even more money than i've gotten well they got a 27 page booklet that outlines what you need to know and uh, that can help you get even more income when you file for social security uh, if you're within five years of filing here's what you need to do get this free booklet number one by calling 501-222-3315 and as a bonus uh, david lucas is going to give you a free customized social security analysis that pinpoints the optimal time to wring every nickel out of your benefits Pick up the phone, call right now. Just leave all the pertinent information they're going to ask you for. 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Okay, so maybe in the back of your mind, you've been seeing all the articles that are out there. Maybe you've got Zillow and you've been watching Zillow and you're going, well, maybe now's the time. I'll let you call in right now and talk to Dustin Turner. Just ask him some general questions and and get a feel for, you know, what he'll tell you. I mean, I I was really amazed. Here's the best thing you can do is after we're done with him here on the show is to call the office and talk to him and and get something set up where you can sit down and meet each other face to face. Yeah, that's probably the best thing to do is I can answer some general questions now. But if you really have some specific questions about your home and what the value might be and what you need to do to get maximum return from the sale of your home, schedule an appointment. I'll come out to your house. I'll walk the home with you. I'll give you some thoughts on getting it ready for the market. And then I'll give you, um, I'll, I'll run the numbers and, and show you exactly what your home could be worth. Now, here's something I want to talk to people about. And that, this is the whole thing of presenting your home on the Internet. I look at selling a home now kind of like getting a date on Tinder. Yep. People are looking at their phone and, and and they're swiping. Yep. And they see somebody they like and they go, hmm, maybe I want to go out with that guy or that gal or whatever. <laughs> Look, I don't do it. I've been married. I've been married <laughs> for 30 need, years. What do we need I'm, to know, Dave? I'm not doing this. I'm it's just confession. telling you. I know that this is the way it's done now. And it, now it's the way that they're selling homes. There's people sitting there and they're swiping and looking at homes. They're doing the exact same thing. So now it's important for you, the seller, mm-hmm. to present your home in the best way possible. I mean, if you're going to be, if you're going to join uh, Tinder, you're not going to go on there with your hair all mussed up and all, all kinds of stuff. All right, you can go on to make the best, you know, first impression that you possibly can, and uh, that's where Justin comes in. I mean, look. He sends professional photographers out to your house. Exactly, Dave. It's a, it's just like, I always joke, it's almost like an arranged marriage. Somebody's going to see your home once, mm-hmm. maybe twice, before they make a commitment to it. That's right. So that first impression is all you got. And buyers are picky. They have access to more information now than they've ever had before, right? So they're sitting at home on their couch at night uh, with their phone or their tablet or laptop or whatever it is. And they're flipping through photos. And if they don't like the first couple photos of your home, if it's not beautifully staged, if it's not beautifully photographed, if it looks like it needs some TLC, what are they going to do? Swipe right over to the next house, right? 
So we're going to spend a lot of time with you making sure that the condition of your home is as sharp as it can be. I have a um, I have a personal philosophy that buyers are looking for something to fall in love with. Mm-hmm. It's an emotional decision. Well, it is. Yeah. Where you're going to live is emotional. Exactly. They're, they have, blame it on HGTV, yep. blame it on Pinterest, blame it on the internet, whatever it is. People don't settle for homes that aren't perfect anymore. Used now, to be house and gardens. Now it's the internet. That's the, the it's, it's the internet. It's ninety three percent of buyers are going to use the internet in their home search. One percent are going to look at homes in the newspaper. So you got to be online. You got to have not only that's you have incredible. to be online, but you have to have a killer presentation online. And this is what I'm going to do. That's where you come in, yep. buddy. <laughs> that's this is the part. I'm going to be honest with everybody. This is the part. That he sold me on because I know more than the average person knows about a lot of this stuff. And he started talking to me and I knew he knew what he was talking about. And then he started talking about what he does. And I said, this is the guy. This is the guy that's going to sell my home. So, Dave, my goal is to help our sellers get the most amount of money in the least amount of time. Mm -hmm. And this will kind of will kind of pivot back to an early conversation um, about for sell by owners you can you can sell your home on your own and you can save a few bucks but are you the question is are you especially in this time in this incredible seller's market are you going to get the absolute most from the potential sale of your home and i'll tell you a story um brian and penny was a couple that heard me on the radio yeah and they called me they wanted to sell their home and i'll make this quick and brian sat there with his arms folded the whole time i was talking because he wasn't sure Not he real wanted to trust an agent, he? right? Yeah. And then he said, what do you think you can sell my home for? We sat down and looked at the numbers. I was able to bring him an offer $17,000 more than what he was going to ask for his home. Did he do a happy dance? Oh, he did. A happy <laughs> dance. <laughs> yeah. I bet, I bet he did. Justin Turner is the guy to call. I'm just telling you. I've been telling you for several weeks now. Let me give you his number again because I got it right here in the information. It's uh, 501-952-2969. Don't delay. Uh, Don't miss out. I'm just telling you right now, it's getting to the point. As you said, we're at the pinnacle. You could miss out if you don't make a decision. You could miss out. It's called don't sit on the pot. Do something. That's That's the way it always works. Uh, thanks for coming in. We're going to have you back on again in the near future, okay? Dave, this was a blast. I appreciate you having right. me on. Uh, and by the way, he said, this is a conservative studio. All right. <laughs> All right. We got more coming your way. Uh, Congressman Hill and Congressman Westerman will travel to Washington by phone. We'll talk to them next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Dustin Turner, wasn't it? That guy knows his stuff. 
He really, really does. And he really knows his stuff when it comes to the Internet and to presenting your home on the Internet. And that's what will get your home sold quickly and at uh, a, a premium price. Keep that in mind. Dustin Turner, the man is I'm going to have him back on in August. And we're going to talk further because there's there's specific things that you you got to do. But uh, if you do them, I'm just telling you, it seems like to, that now is the time to sell your home. Um, I'm just I'm I'm going to put my mark mine on the market in October. There's some things I got to get done, but I'm not putting my my vacation on hold. Uh uh-uh. uh, I'm going down to Florida in September. I'm going to head down there and uh, and catch some rays and sit by the Gulf and. Uh, eat a lot of uh, seafood, so I'm looking forward to to doing that. I, you know, I always look forward every week to Wednesday because I get to talk to two really good guys, and one is uh, Congressman Hill, the other is Congressman Westerman, District Two, District Four. Good to have you with us, Congressman Hill. Good to, that you could give us some time again today. So, what's the next big uh, thing in the octagon going to be? Is it going to be Senator Rand Paul against uh, Doctor Fauci? <laughs> that was some good videotape, uh, and Dave. <laughs> It's great to be with you. I think uh, since Rand Paul has a tough neighborhood he lives in and is always getting in fights, I'm going to put uh, my bet on on Paul. Yep. I think he takes better care of himself. He's in better shape. And uh, they'll go toe-to-toe. These are not two giants. Uh, yeah. But uh, but it'll be fun to watch. No, that was uh, – I've signed on to legislation to prevent – uh, the United States from funding this gain-of-function research. I know it's a buzzword. I encourage your listeners to go out and read what that is. Uh, we just throw these terms around sometimes on oh, television and interviews and just expect, oh, yeah, well, that's bad. You know, Republicans say that's bad. Democrats say that's good or whatever. Well, it's not good, and it shouldn't be done there. And I think Fauci is sort of hiding behind technical terminology i think the the uh, government has funded that kind of research and it shouldn't and certainly shouldn't in china okay so let me let me jump in can i can i throw a word out is weaponize a proper word here yeah i think so i mean it's uh it is it's you know i don't know i don't know enough about it to argue that it's it's um, actually the research is actually done with the intent of creating essentially what you would think of as a biological weapon. So I won't go there. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly trying to understand how viruses work, how they grow, how they multiply, how they spread, and how they can be uh, defeated. And it's the kind of thing, I, you know, we all know Southeast Asia is the heart of so much of this respiratory SARS-related virus. I mean, it's happened over and over and over again in waves. So I think we also all understand that, too. But the bottom line is we've all talked about it among ourselves. We've got legislation to <clears throat> stop any uh, federal money that would uh, go to that kind of research in, in, at Wuhan lab in China. Okay, so we're not going to spend money on it, but what about the Chinese and the Russians? Yeah, and that's where you get into this weaponization aspect of it. And, you know, we want to stay on the cutting edge of all things scientific, and we do. The question is, where do we do it, under what circumstances, mm-hmm. who is our partner, right? So, That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it, 
That's a big ethical question. I'm just telling you. I wouldn't want to be in the room that you guys got to fight that one out with. Here's another thing I wouldn't want to be in the room that you guys got to fight this out with, and that's what's going on in the border. It is absolutely incredibly crazy down on our southern border. And let me just say, Texas border, Arizona border, New Mexico border, uh, California border is our border. I mean, I was I was watching uh, the governor of, of Florida say that 70 percent of the people cover, uh, co- coming across the border now are saying they want to get to Florida. Seventy percent. That means that their border is right next to Texas, right? Well, I'd argue every state is a border state because just last month we had our record high number of people cross and be interdicted to 188. Thousand, I thought a hundred thousand back in March when I was in McAllen was a big number. It's almost double that, one hundred and eighty-eight thousand in June. <clears throat> it's not stopping. It's gotten worse. The Biden administration's done nothing about it. They changed the Trump rules, which had slowed it and and really regulated a much better approach to legal immigration and stopped illegal crossings to a small number. And in June, one hundred and eighty-eight thousand. That's the most we've seen. Since the George Bush administration, I mean, 2006, we've had 1.1 million people come to the United States illegally this year in the first six months. Yeah. Now, we, you and I have talked about this for six years. Yeah, we, we let have. in this country uh, 1.1 million people legally per year. These are people who wait in line, people who have a legitimate work visa, people who get married, <clears throat> people who've been waiting in a hotel room in Vietnam for all these years. You know, they get in the U.S. about 1.1 million a year. Well, the Biden administration has just let 1.1 million people walk across the border so far in the first six months. That's incredible. And here's uh, it's, it's incredible. Here's and they're the th- not doing anything about it. It's no. all talk. Uh, and we know the vice president's borderline incompetent, <laughs> and she's done nothing on this topic. And uh, the Homeland Security person, in my view, should be fired. I mean, this guy is terrible. President Trump, as you know, I think went through, what, two? Yeah. It's a tough job. It's a tough job. But this person, uh, Milo Orcus, uh, <coughs> or however you pronounce his last name, he is not getting the job done. And people on Capitol Hill, both parties are disgusted. I talked to Democrats yesterday from the border region. I talked to Tony Gonzalez yesterday for 30 minutes about this, who represents Del Rio. and Right and a part of uh, McAllen, he says he's just it's just ridiculous. They're just infuriated about it. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a sad situation. I saw the story today that COVID cases up on the border, 900%. Well, yeah. I mean, when you have 1.1 million people come in the country and you don't test them uh, and they just walk in, I, I don't think anybody's shocked about that. And this is another issue uh, in June alone. Now, I told you, you know, we encountered 188,000. We expelled 100,000 of those in June under Title 42. What's Title 42? Title 42 is President Trump declaring a public health emergency at the border due to COVID-19. And as you can tell, that isn't going away like we hoped it would. And so I certainly hope Joe Biden will keep this Title uh, 42 power in uh, stead for the border. This allows the government to turn right around and expel an adult, someone over 18, 
uh, from any country based on COVID-19 unless there's some particular circumstances about their case. All right. So what do we know or what can you help us understand about this uh, case that uh, the judge uh, ruled on here last week dealing with DACA? Yeah, I think, look, DACA has been such an emotionally charged issue for Americans. I mean, it, it really, in many ways, violence, uh, violates uh, our sense of of rule-based immigration. But it also violates the sense that Americans have that they're innately good and decent people. In other words, if someone came into the country illegally in the 1990s and they brought their five-year-old child with them and that five-year-old child turns 18, you know, should that five-year-old child be deported and blah, blah, blah. In other words, you know, the rule-based system says, yeah, that whole family came in the country illegally. If we find that they commit a crime, if something wrong goes wrong, they should be either somehow put into the processing to uh, come into the United States. You have to leave the U.S. before you can do that. So that's what's so disruptive. If we catch you, you have to go leave the country. You can still apply to come back in. So that's it. So President Obama said, well, we ought to be lenient on these people. So he created this deferred action for kids, meaning we just won't automatically deport you. We're going to try to figure out what the heck to do with you. And there's, as you know, there's, 10 million of them or something like that. Mm -hmm. So what Republicans have argued is he went too far. Uh, We believe the executive, the president, the executive has temporary uh, ability to uh, use his discretion in immigration matters. And if it's a small group of people, use his discretion to even, um, you know, deal with it. Let's say 5,000 people needed some sort of change. Uh, perhaps the president has that discretion. That's what Republicans would argue. But 11 million? No, that's Congress has to pass laws on the immigration system. It's in the Constitution. We're in charge of immigration, and it's up to Congress to do that. And so Republicans say, look, uh, all that should be subject to congressional approval. So this federal judge basically said President Obama went too far. Okay. And therefore, it's encouraging I hope that that will facilitate a battle over getting, you know, a fair approach, but a legal approach that doesn't just encourage it to happen over and over and over and over again, because that's the system now. I mean, that's why all these families are caught at the border. So they know they're released into the population and they know that their kids ultimately will be left to stay in America. All right, we're going to come back, talk a little bit more about that. I want to talk about I just uh, read an article today from a man who runs one of the biggest uh, grocery chains in America. And he said inflation in October for uh, food and energy will be somewhere around 10%. That should be enough to put ice water in everybody's veins. And then let's talk about infrastructure, because what the Democrats have been saying uh, is not true. Bernie Sanders is trying to do an end around uh, with the president and the Senate for five trillion dollars let's talk about that when we come back here on the dave ellswick show uh let's talk about something that you and i deal with on a much more uh normal daily basis or yearly basis uh than uh you know 
trying to bring inflation under control with the Federal Reserve. And that's East End towing, talking about towing your car. Uh, towing is something that is all, it's going to happen to everybody sooner or later, and so you should be prepared for it. And uh, that means make sure that you have someone that you trust that is going to tow your car and going to take it where you want it to be taken and not end up in some impounding lot somewhere. Uh, you don't want to let the state police call in for your tow. You call in for the tow and use East End Towing. Their phone number, again, I've been saying this ever since we started talking about East End Towing, and that is you need to have this number on your person or in your car so that if something happens, you can get it, use your phone and call them. 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. This simple fact of having this phone number to be able to call East End Towing can save you big money. Plus, you're using someone who knows what they're doing. I mean, they belong to the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. <coughs> they are licensed, they're insured, and every one of their trucks are permitted. You want to use people like that. And East End Towing is ready to help you in those times. That, and it always happens at the worst time that it's easy to make a decision when you give them a call. 501-888-8849. That's East End Towing. All right. We are back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind you uh, that uh, the folks at PI Roofing want to make sure that they can uh, take good care of you by keeping your uh, home and your roof in good, good shape. And I know I'm I'm doing this a little bit out of order today just because I got uh, some special things I want to talk to uh, Congressman Westerman about. So I'm going I'm to give him an extra 30 seconds here by doing this right now. Uh, keep in mind that uh, the good folks at PI Roofing will get up on your roof and make sure that it is ready to meet the requirements of keeping the water out of your house. All you got to do is give them a call, 707-3551, 707-3551. And Joel Johnson will join us next Wednesday to talk about PI Roofing and what are some of the new things in roofing that you need to know about because there's there's things are changing everywhere as far as business goes and roofing is no exception 707-3551 or piroofing.com back to the uh, the congressman let's talk with congressman hill we can finish up with him we still got about six minutes remaining here we were talking about uh daca does what this judge has done uh congressman force this you know, back into the court of the legislature where it should be in the first place and make you all do something, hopefully make the Democrats do something? You know, I hope so. But these cases have been going on since the Obama administration. I think it just, again, speaks to this bigger picture, which limits the power of the executive to have that much discretion. This is an important constitutional issue. And it's important that we find a bipartisan solution to um the DACA kids. So I hope it leads to a bipartisan piece of legislation. Uh, But as I say, these cases go back and forth. So we'll have to study it more and see what we have to do next. Okay, because in all honesty, it's with the the legislature is the one that has to fix this, don't they? I mean, the president has his part, but the legislature... 
I voted for a compromise several years ago, you know, and it was a compromise. It did get majority Republican support, not unanimous, but majority. It did not pass uh, the House because the Democrats voted no. But it facilitated these over 18-year-old children who are documented with the federal government as having been brought into the country as a baby or as a child. They're not born here. They've come here as a, as a child. It would allow them to uh, have a renewable work permit. It did not give them citizenship, but it did give them a renewable work permit. Uh, They could leave the country. Uh, They could stay here. They could marry an American. They could apply for citizenship through the normal waiting process. And so it just, it facilitated those of a certain uh, amount in a certain age, in a certain number of years, as defined during back during the Obama administration, for them to not be, quote, illegal. And, uh, you know, it didn't pass. So we've got to do something about it. And um, uh, right now we're at the exact opposite, where we're admitting uh, felons back into the country. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in uh, just since January, we've caught 18,000 people that are criminals coming across the border. So I wonder how many people we didn't catch. Yeah, you're right. Uh, businessman John Casamaditas, uh, he is yep. a huge grocery chain owner. Uh, he's into oil. He's a billionaire. I want to read something that he's that he said today in an article. We're both in the food business and we're in the oil business Food prices are getting higher, and we expect even more increases in October, he said. We're seeing anywhere from 10 to 14 percent by October 1st, and that's a real number. That is chilling, and the president talked about it yesterday, and he said, oh, it's only it's only for a short term. Yellen is being saying the same thing. I don't care long term, short term. 10 percent is a lot. Yeah, I've been talking about this since February at length because of the debate over Joe Biden's spending program. I oppose the $1.9 trillion. It's a dumb idea. We shouldn't have done it. Done it. And you, we have <clears throat> two lacks a monetary policy, meaning we're buying $120 billion of government debt every month. That's almost obviously over a trillion dollars in a year. Mm. And so we're funding the debt that way through the Federal Reserve, and we are proposing to spend trillions. We spent $2.2 trillion with Joe Biden in February. I argued against it. I told Jay Powell, the chairman of the Fed, he should oppose it. He didn't. And so we're creating this uh, guns and butter situation that Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon faced, which was we're spending too much money too fast, both printing the money at the Federal Reserve by buying debt, and spending too much money at the federal government level, the fiscal level. And Lyndon Johnson got us into this situation with Vietnam and with the Great Society programs. And we had a very too lax a monetary policy. And we got the 70s and early 80s inflation. And I realize most people uh, under 50 don't even know what we're talking about. I know. But when it, when it embeds it into our economy, it's a bad thing. And uh, your article you cited is the debate. I told Jay in February, what if it's not transitory? What if it's not transitory? What are you going to do about it? Well, we have tools to repair it. Yeah, well, those tools are a shock when it runs out of control. And I would remind people again, what was it like to get it under control 
1980 by the Federal Reserve having to shock the American system. We went into a very deep recession, and it was very uh, disruptive. Congressman, thank you for your time. I have to move on. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right, Congressman French Hill. All right, going to get to uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman in a moment. We're waiting for his call. And while we wait for that, let me tell you about Cabot Emergency Hospital, located on Highway 89 in Cabot, right on the side of uh, 67167, where Walmart is at, as well as David's Burgers and Verizon and a lot of other businesses in the area. Uh, 100% physician-owned. Here's what I know about them and have even experienced with them. They know that when you have an emergency and you show up at Cabot Emergency Hospital, it's important. It matters. And you don't want to wait. And that's why they'll get you to the back into one of their uh, state-of-the-art examination rooms so they can take care of the problem that you are undergoing if it sutures they can take care of it broken bones they can take care of it uh if they need to do some on uh some lab work they got an on-site lab they can do that if they need to take x-rays or cat scans or need to do an ultrasound they can do all of that even if they have to do an mri they can do that as well They're ready to meet your emergency at Cabot Emergency Hospital. And by the way, if your emergency is something where you need to be hospitalized, they'll get you out of Cabot Emergency Hospital and on your way, El Pronto. They're always open 24-7, 365. Again, the on-site lab, the pharmacy is on-site, and you are the center of their care. A board-certified emergency physician will see you when you're in their emergency room. That's Cabot Emergency Hospital. All right, I understand that Congressman Westerman has joined us from Washington, D.C. Congressman, I was just talking to Congressman Hill, and we were discussing something that concerns me, and the reason being, being you know, the, the old man that I am, I remember what it was like during Jimmy Carter's days, when uh, inflation was out of control, when buying a home, and this is going to shock people that are, you know, uh, BY, and that is before you uh, time, uh, the bottom line is some of the housing, uh, you know, mortgages were 13%. 13%. I saw one as high as 19%. Uh, you want to put a stop to the housing market? That's the way you do it. Just an article today by a billionaire who deals in in food and in oil. He says, food-wise, by October 1, we will see a 10 to 14% inflation uh, in, in, in people's food. And on top of that, he said... That's going to be passed on to the consumer. It can't be. It can't be absorbed by the business. Yeah, you're you're hitting the nail on the head, Dave. And you know, it's uh, we're making a bed that we're going to have to sleep in. And uh, unfortunately, um, the policies that are being proposed here in D.C. are going to keep pushing us with. Uh, further towards more and more inflation so it's something that uh i've certainly got an eye on and and am concerned about i remember as well in the 1970s when you had double digit inflation and double digit 
interest rates. And that's where we're eventually probably headed towards because if uh, inflation keeps going up, the only way you can really slow that down is to uh, start increasing interest rates. Yep. Um, you know, I have uh, a daughter and a son-in-law who um, were excited yesterday. They're they're trying to find a house to buy and make an offer on it. And, you know, there's a lot of excitement there. Um, but, you know, if they don't do it soon and get a, a rate locked in, they may not be able uh, to buy one. But you see a lot of people doing that, and we've got a very tight housing market right now. But, um, you know, we're already seeing it in in food. We're seeing it in uh, energy and uh, talking about inflation. And it's essentially like a tax because it makes your the money you've got it makes it worth less. That's and, right. Uh, if you get inflation and interest, high interest rates, it's kind of like a double tax. Your your money buys less, and it and it costs more to buy things. Yeah. Well, what happens is it gets really ugly because in things that you might have thought about buying, let's say a boat. I mean, I know you remember when uh, boat makers in America just about disappeared. Because people didn't want to buy a boat because they were, too, one, they were expensive, and two, uh, inflation was, was out of sight. So just going out and buying one and, and putting it on time wasn't wasn't worth our effort, and it impacted the boating market hugely. Yeah, boats, RVs, you know, a lot of equipment like that. And, and ironically that, that you mentioned boats because uh, Arkansas is one of the leading boat manufacturing states in the country. I was shocked once I got elected to to Congress to find out how many boat manufacturers there are in my district and across uh, the state. But we we do a good job building boats. And the past few years, those boat manufacturers have seen a a booming business, especially with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, with people wanting to to get outside. But you're exactly right. When when money starts getting tight, those are the things that uh, we see fall off uh, the purchase list first. Let's talk about uh, just ha- starting uh, this month. This increase in the uh, the child credit uh, on uh, your income tax. I mean, I've got some some uh, kids that have have kids and my grandkids, and several of them saw three hundred and sixty dollars checks dropped into their savings account. And they uh, this this is uh, going to work for one year. They're going to give the three sixty a month or whatever it is that you get till December, and then they're going to put it into uh, your tax return next year. But uh, you know, Congressman, this was supposed to be a a one year and then done. And now the Democrats are saying they want to go from the sixteen hundred to thirty six hundred dollar that they they've done for this one year and want to make it permanent. Yeah, there's no uh, – they're addicted to spending. There's no end to how much they want to spend. Um, I was in a hearing yesterday in the Resources Committee, and they've got legislation proposed to uh, you know, basically dredge up an old FDR program, uh, the Civilian Conservation Corps. Oh, no. Uh, now they want to call it the uh, the Climate Conservation Corps, <laughs> you know, still the same CCC. Uh, but uh, even in – I didn't realize this until I looked at the news this morning, but uh, on top of having a hearing on it in our committee, they went over to the White House and Biden talked about how he wanted to put 
uh, I think ten billion dollars into this program. Oh my lord! Uh, revive uh, you know this New Deal program, and you know they're talking about having a, a guaranteed guaranteed living wage. You know, it's just a a program to give government money away in so-called government jobs. Um, there's work that needs to be done um, out in the on the federal lands, but there's a whole host of nonprofit organizations and private companies that have been set up to do that work to um, you know provide employment opportunities for young people who are wanting to go out and build trails and do conservation work. So for them just to come back and say we're going to resurrect this old new deal program i think just kind of puts the the cherry on top of the cake of of what they're really trying to do you know it just amazes me i i was listening to them talk about this thirty six hundred dollar uh child credit uh for your uh income tax and several democratic congress people said this will help alleviate child poverty and congressman that lie has been told to the american people since the great society began back in 1965 under lbj since that time to today we have spent nearly 24 trillion dollars on these programs to get rid of poverty it does not work how long is it going to take for them to understand it does not work how did the old song go about i fought the law and the law won yeah uh, the, the left fought poverty and, and poverty won yeah it has won um, reagan had the best statement on this of anyone he said the uh, the the best anti-poverty program is a job yeah that's plain and simple if you want to uh uh, wipe out poverty than have an economy where people have jobs and where people are expected to work, not expected to earn a living wage, so-called living wage. Uh, if they, how, how do the Democrats say it? If they, if they can't work or choose not to work. Yeah, I like that. If they can't work or choose not to, you know, if they choose not to work, maybe they should be sitting out there getting hungry, and then they'll. They'll want to work for sure. And that would make choices a lot more clearly if you uh, <laughs> uh, had that that motivation there. I but agree. No, if, what What do you expect if you want to create programs where you pay people to uh, uh, to not work and and you know have all their free time? Yeah, most people are going to take that deal. Yeah, there's well, they're proving that right now, aren't they? I mean, there's a lot of jobs out there ready to be you know filled. But people aren't. And I tell you what, I've talked to people who've told me, why do I want to do that? I'm getting plenty of money from the government. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing how when you incentivize things, you uh, a lot of times get what you've incentivized. And that's exactly what's happening um, with these spending programs. So you, you would think, or I, I think, you know, we got through the, the worst part of the pandemic. The economy is ready to grow again. You know, let's uh, ease up on the government spending. But the the Democrats just want to double down on it. And this so-called infrastructure bill, you know, they're talking 
four and a half, five trillion dollars now. Yes, which is insane. It's absolutely insane. You cannot spend that much money on the infrastructure. Uh, There's not enough labor and not enough materials out there to spend that much money. But if you get into the fine details, um, you know, four trillion of that is not really infrastructure. That's right. uh, And and I'd be hard pressed to say more than a half trillion of its infrastructure because uh, you start adding the numbers up and it's just hard to get there. I think I've told you this statistic before, Dave, but if you rebuilt the entire interstate system all across the U.S., if you built it from scratch in today's dollars, it would be about a half trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's the magnitude of what we're talking about when we talk about spending just a half trillion. I say just a half trillion. You that seems crazy to even say that. But when you're talking about four or five trillion, a, a half trillion doesn't seem like nearly as much. Well, I've got to tell you what, it sure it sure brings into clarity whatever Dirksen was saying when you said a million dollars here and a million dollars there, and then you start talking about real money. Now they're talking about a trillion dollars here and a trillion dollars there. So I guess we're now, Congressman, talking about real money. we got to get a break, and uh, uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman is our guest. We're going to come back, talk to him further. I want to talk to him a little bit about COVID-19 some more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But I just want everybody to understand, uh, inflation is coming, and it's going to be hard. When you start talking 10 to 14%, that will start making some differences in your lifestyle. You won't go out to dinner as often uh, and do things. You won't go to ball games and all the rest. And that has a direct impact on the economy of this country. A break, and we got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to finish up our conversation now with uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. He'll be back with us next Wednesday. He joins us just like Congressman Hill does about every Wednesday to talk about what's going on uh, in uh, the United States and in Congress. Uh, Congressman, yesterday in uh, the state of Indiana, a federal judge upheld Indiana University's vaccination mandate, saying that students, faculty, and staff have to get vaccinated against the coronavirus before coming back to campus in the fall. Do you see this becoming a a major issue here in the country? Yeah, that's the first I've I've heard about that one, Dave. But I know it's a uh, a topic of conversation. kind of surprises me that uh, uh, a court would rule like that on a on a public university. I could see it on a on a private university or a private business or something like that. But uh, I'm kind of surprised that they did that on a on a public university. But I don't know the uh, you know all the details behind it. But that's obviously something we'll want to follow closely. Well, is it? And also, everybody has to understand that a business can require you to become vaccinated to continue with your employment, correct? Uh, I would think so. They, uh, I think you could even get into some um, some personal rights issues on that as well, especially if, uh, you know, religious exemptions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's something that, um, you know, government doesn't mind overreaching. 
giving <laughs> given the opportunity to do it. So, you know, part of what we have to do is make sure that government stays in check. And I'm I'm for getting vaccinated. I've gotten vaccinated and had no problems with it. And I've got friends right now who are very sick with the Delta variant of the coronavirus who didn't get the uh, the vaccination. But it, I still believe it's a uh, a choice with what you yep. do uh, with your body. Yeah, I've been talking about it on the air, and I've been trying to just I've I've been uh, I took the uh, the Pfizer vaccine, and so did my wife. And I highly recommend that everybody get vaccinated, but that's your decision. My suggestion is don't believe what you read on the Internet. Sit down with your own personal physician and talk to them. I mean, you should have a a good relationship with your your general practitioner. Talk to them and take their advice. All right. I just, again, say that. By the way, the Democrats could help get about 10 percent more people vaccinated if they would just make a a commercial with former President Trump sitting and say, hey, look, I did I did Operation Warp Speed so we could have this. I've got the vaccination. So should you. But I don't expect to see that anytime soon. Uh, no, they don't. I don't think they <laughs> want to give him any credit for, for anything. Yeah, I don't. Hey, Dave, I don't I'm going to have to have to jump off a little bit early okay. today. I've got a, a meeting. I've got to start. Uh, straight up at the top of the hour and i've got to get in and get some stuff ready for that okay but, well uh, you go take you care go. of running the country all right all right and always good to talk to you all right and uh look forward to visiting again soon all right we'll do it again next wednesday thank you very much congressman bruce westerman uh with us here on the dave Ellswick mm-hmm. show these guys work as hard as they can to be on with us they set this time aside look i've had We've had Congressman Hill at times who has done the show, and he's been in the cloakroom <laughs> just off the floor of the House uh, talking to us about pending legislation and things. I can tell you, being here on the Dave Ellswick Show on a Wednesday morning at uh, 8 o'clock, I keep you up to date on what's going on in uh, D.C. and, and what uh, the Republicans and the Democrats are, are doing. And Congressman Westerman, uh, brought something up that I wanted to talk about, but he brought it up uh, just off the cuff, and that was talking about, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders is the guy in the in the Senate who's really pushing this infrastructure stuff for the Democrats, and we all had heard that it was like two point six to three trillion dollars plus the uh, bipartisan plan that they had worked at, which was about one point. And now they're saying, no, 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 no. The, the plan that we have in, 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 in mind, uh, just from our side, is for $5 trillion. And as the congressman just told you, you cannot even spend that much on infrastructure, except that their infrastructure on the Democrat uh, side is a new terminology called social infrastructure and that's for anything that they want to spend money on has nothing to do with roads has nothing to do with sewers has nothing to do with water plants has nothing to do with what we've traditionally said was infrastructure whole new area in their lexicon that says we want to spend money all right, I'm out tomorrow. I'm out on Friday. Tomorrow, Alan Kerr will come in. Jason Rapert, state senator, will be his guest in the first hour. 
In the second hour, Duck and Joe will be in the studio with him answering car questions. And uh, Alan does a good job, so he'll be here. And then on Friday, it'll be Robert Steinbach and uh, Chris Corbett. They will talk about everything from a legal standpoint. I'll be back with you on Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show at 6 a.m. You have a great evening. I'll see you Monday.